1: Swims hour at the amazing W London Hotel thank you very much for hosting us W so if you've been to one of these before hands up if you have oh come again we love you so those of you who haven't this is how it works we are going to be here for an hour talking about all things this time sex and sexuality um, which we've been running these for about six months now and this is the topic that I have been waiting for somebody asked us earlier today why did you do this why did you pick this topic and my co-host Emma and I basically said Because it's what we talk about all the time. (laughs) Um, So, which probably says more about the state of our sex lives than anything else. But the way this works is we will have got an amazing panel here tonight. So we're going to have a bit of a panel discussion. We've got an incredible film that we're going to show you. um, We'll have a bit more discussion amongst the panel. And then we will come to you guys for questions. But should at any moment the need arise within you that you must say something, give me a wave and we'll bring you in. Just so you know, we do record this and we put it out as a podcast. So if you're gonna say something particularly juicy about your sex life, and I really urge you to do so, um, for all our enjoyment, you might you might not want to put your job title before it. Just saying totally up to you. Uh, Kate probably would, but yeah. nobody no. else. <laughs> My name's Harriet Minter, I'm a journalist and broadcaster. I run this event at the end of every month with my amazing co-host Emma Sexton and our other lovely co-host who sadly can't be here today, Natalie Campbell. Please do sign up, come again to them, we really like it when people come back, because it means we've done a good job. Um, And also, just so you know, at the end, we generally have a little drink outside, drink and a nibble, so value for money so we're going to kick off our panel and we're going to kick off by letting our panel introduce themselves and say a little bit about who they are and what they do so should we start at the end with you emma hi so i'm emma sexton i am the founder of make your words work a design agency and the co-founder of flock a global network
3: for entrepreneurs and i'm really fascinated today about the new kind of creative expression
2: of women and sex that's my passion nice thank you hi i'm rhiannon styles um i'm l magazine's transgender columnist um, I've also written a book um, on my life, and I'm a performance artist.
3: My name is Alex Fox, and sitting on these stools, I feel a bit like a member of Westlife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in fact, I am a journalist, a broadcaster, and a sex educator. Uh, I work for Jurex and for Superdrug, uh, representing their sex ed offerings. I host two podcasts, one called The Modern Man, where I answer people's sexual questions, and one called Close Encounters for The Guardian, where I talk about sex almost incessantly. Uh, I write for various publications and generally fill my time writing a lot about other people's sexy life to the Mm. point where I hardly ever have time to get laid myself. (laughs) 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 Taking one for the team.
0: I can help you with that. Um, so I am Kate Moyle, I'm a psychosexual therapist, so I'm kind of tackling the other side of it, which is helping people that have sexual problems uh, create the change in their life that they're looking for. So I work with any issue that affects someone, their sexuality, and I'm the founding partner of an app called Pillow Play, which is an intimacy app for couples.
1: Thank you. So you can see we have a kind of diverse, lively audience. There might be a key change later. We'll all stand up so you know when it's coming. Um, <laughs> But we're going to kick off, as we always do, with news stories that our panellists have kind of been intrigued by or thoughtful about in the last month or so. So I think, Alex, (laughs) tell us what has been playing on your mind this month. Well, I don't know whether anyone has read about the
3: delightful young chap, 19-year-old Ryan Williams, who's a self-declared Meninist, uh, who uh, caused a, a big amount of uproar on the internet by declaring that he thought... Tampons should be taxed as a luxury item because, I quote, It's women's fault if they can't hold their bladders. (laughs) Thus outing himself as someone with a very base level of biological knowledge. Uh, it must be noted that Ryan has also been in the papers talking about how he's pro-Brexit and he's since pretty much come out and said that he's doing all of this just to draw attention to himself. Uh, quite what point he's trying to make other than the, that he's a complete and utter a-hole. I don't know how to class A a-hole. Uh, but actually, for me, the flip side of, uh, of Ryan's proclamation that he had half a brain cell spread across a very thin area um, <laughs> was that actually I, I work with a charity called Brooke who specialise in sexual education for under-25s. And you'd be amazed how many real-life Ryans I meet who genuinely do not have uh, basic sexual and biological knowledge uh, one of the most heartbreaking tales I've heard was from a teenage girl who had been absolutely racked with worry for a long time because she thought she had genital warts. What she was actually describing, this bump on her down belows that she was so fretful about, was her clitoris. Um, she didn't know the difference between one of the most important pleasure points in the female body uh, and an STI. Last month, I was at Google HQ uh, with the guys from Brook also uh, one of the key members of the National Union of Teachers, um, a few other sex educators, doctors, to talk about how we can better serve young people um, in terms of supplying sex ed. Some of you might be aware that, unfortunately, the, uh, the last uh, Education Secretary we had, Nikki Morgan, declared that sex ed should not be compulsory in schools anymore. Uh, it looks like our new uh, Education Secretary, Justine Greening, might change that. But it's actually not as simple in my mind as just saying schools need to teach about sex because what should they be teaching? How should it be taught? How do you fit such a vast amount of information? And often young people require very specialised info uh, into a curriculum that's already squeezed squeeze tighter than my bumhole while I'm doing my gym exercise but do you think
1: <laughs> even if we change sex ed would we be able to change it in a way that actually educates young people about sex today because I feel like my sex ed which was I went to an all-girls catholic school so you can imagine the level of <laughs> sex education there don't do it that was it um but like that was really basic it was really like the biology this is how your body works Boom! It didn't teach me anything about sexuality. It didn't teach me anything about relationships. It didn't teach me anything about how to, oh God, like manage my own sexual feelings and urges and, and nothing needs. Nothing about pleasure. You yeah. nothing about pleasure. about pleasure in terms of sex education, do you? No. Well, it's working, about making yeah. babies. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. not. Yeah. Or yeah.
3: not, yeah. yes. I'm actually working really hard to change that. Um, I advocate, for want of a better phrase, a multi-pronged approach. It sounds a bit painful in relation <laughs> to sex. That's like isn't it does like a new sex toy, right? Yeah, way? yeah, yeah. <laughs> or some kind of grabber. <laughs> uh, a groin grabber. I'm not going to trademark that. Um, I think schools can only really provide a certain level of sex ed. Um, I think after that there need to be people that young, young folks know they can go to to talk about their own private queries and concerns. Uh, I'm really interested in, there's a new wave of young people themselves who are doing peer-to-peer mm, teaching. Peer-to-peer so uh, you see people on young people on YouTube uh, running their own channels, talking about sex. Uh, I was involved in a really interesting programme over the summer run by Brooke uh, called Come True. Where m- myself, a woman from a sex shop called Shush in Hoxton, very um, sex positive, female friendly sex shop, and actually a guy who's a porn actor who's there to talk about the difference between what people might see in porn and what actually happens on set, who was uh, chatting about such secrets as uh, how to concoct your own fake spunk and stuff like that. Uh, we. <laughs> that you'd want to eat voluntarily I okay don't there are some recipes for fake spunk used in porn that if you fry them can make you fairly decent pancakes so <gasps> there you go a tip <laughs> um, for breakfast
1: the morning. you never yeah. thought
3: you would need to know how <laughs> you're gonna look oh, at your morning no. pancakes
1: in a very different way
3: but uh, <laughs> we all got together and spent a week or so teaching a group of young men aged, I think, between um, 17 to 21, 22, who then got a qualification, if you will, to go out and teach their friends and their peers. And they received a minimum wage to do this, so they could afford to come and learn, they could afford to take time off their jobs during the summer to go and learn that that information. And the idea was that there were certain, particularly young guys out there, who would much rather listen to their friend uh, yeah, who they play football yeah. with or uh, one of the guys at a youth club that they go to or something like that, rather than a 34-year-old woman who, quite frankly, looks like she was born a little bit too close to Sellafield and could have been a troll doll in a former life. <laughs> so from my <laughs> point of view, I think sex ed has to come, as I say, from, mo- from multiple different areas. It has to have a multi-pronged approach. Yeah. No one thing will
0: suit everybody just as it is with sex. but I think there's something you tapped on there, which is I definitely see in my work, which is the definition between porn and sex that people are having. And a huge thing is that young people aren't educated about sex, so they go to porn to find the answers, and then they have sex for the first time, and they are completely mind-boggled by the fact that the two are so different, Mm -hmm. and it's not that easy, it's not that pleasurable, it's not that exciting. And there needs to be an education about the difference between the two. And the new government laws, we were talking about this on Sunday, mm. which is clamping down on all pornography for everyone, so they're going to age check, the government wants to put age checks on every porn website, isn't going to solve the problem. It's very problematic in It's itself. problematic yeah, yeah. in itself, yeah. exactly. And so the government, instead of educating people about the realistic differences, are just saying, actually, no one can watch porn unless they type in their driver's licence number, for example.
1: So, Kate, your news story looked at the amount of sex... That
0: millennials, yeah, and iGen I love millennials <laughs> and gen are having. So yeah. tell us about that. So the kind of two generations of the moment. So the gen, the millennials and the iGen, basically our research shows that they're having less sex than people every previous generation before. And the idea is that it's because there is lack of sex education, or people are scaremongered by the media. So it's all horror stories. There's no talking about you know everything going right but also that everyone's sitting in bed on their phones, and although we're technically a hookup culture, that people aren't really hooking up. There is all of this fear and shame, and, you know, that people don't go for STD screenings because they don't know what to expect. They're scared about the consequences. They're scared about what they might find out. And although we live in a very sexualized society, people aren't having as much sex as the generations before, but really, people aren't sitting and talking anymore. They're sitting on their phones next to each other in bed, not having sex, connecting with everyone outside their bedroom, and no one in their bedroom with so I'm them. I'm really fascinated yeah. by that because when I read through that, that was a news story.
1: Because my perception, the conversations that I've had, is that actually that generation there more of
3: them are believing like polyamory, non-monogamous. They're having multiple sexual partners. I've heard people who are literally like, "That's part of the the Friday night out is the the drinks, the drugs,
0: the pleasure. Like it's all." But but clearly, that's not the. I think topic. it's. I think it's really. I think that there's also so much anxiety around sex at the moment, social media presents this perfect world, perfect people having perfect sex where it never goes wrong and there's, because there's this whole taboo around sex, people then don't know how to have the conversations about when it goes wrong and they kind of internalise all of that pain and anxiety and they get to a point where they need to ask for help and that's when they might kind of reach out, for example, someone like me but it's, Often, you know, months or years of anxiety that's built up or worry that's built up because they aren't perfect and because everyone only talks about the great sex they have and never about the average mm. or bad sex that they have.
2: That's are
1: mm. me and
0: Harriet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 On a scale of one to ten, still only a five. And that was a good night. <laughs> I guess people are only kind of viewing people through the, through the screen. Through so the They're filters. only, so they're only yeah. seeing their photos yeah. and people aren't hooking up with like, the physicality of a real person, so you're automatically being judged on how you look in an instant, and nothing Mm. more.
0: And I think it really, you know, it's meant to breed, you know, there are people kind of encouraging body confidence, but not half as many, or even a fraction as many, that are presenting perfect airbrushed bodies, and who wake up looking that good. You know, I definitely know that I don't wake up looking that good. (laughs) So, I look like this when I woke up. Quite frankly. <laughs> so, I think
1: there is this thing about this kind of instantaneous, picture driven hookup culture that we'd rather be on our phones swiping left, swiping right, than actually forming a connection
0: with someone. Is that it? We don't give people a chance, we don't get to know them. It's very instant yes, no reactions. If you think about, you know, traditionally how people met, they actually had a conversation and then made their mind up. Yeah. Um, so the, the product that I'm kind of one of the founders of, we made this because I found that I was working with so many couples who were saying, we're not having sex, but we're answering all our emails. Mm. You know, that's mm. fine. So that happens at 11 o'clock at night in bed or I, you know, the first thing that I wake up to is my partner sitting next to me in bed texting or on Facebook or on Instagram. And so we wanted to kind of create a product which brought couples back together and reintroduced intimacy. And, you know, we see long-term relationships failing now at a rate of more marriages break up now than stay together. Wow. Wow, it's gone that far now. So we're seeing a breakdown in long-term relationships and in intimacy and in sex. You know, people are having a lot less sex than they used to.
1: I'm personally entirely blaming Tinder. I think it's entirely (laughs) (laughs) false. But... We have, I think, a, a good Tinder story. Would you say a good Tinder story, Brandon? What do you think? Good, bad?
2: I'm um, I'm I'm in between, really. I was trying to think of kind of like my yeah. what if I feel good or bad about this, but I I can't decide. So, but um, I wanna I wanna flag up kind of Tinder's recent updates, basically. And just get a show of hands. How many people use Tinder here? Reluctantly. Yeah. <laughs> How many people have used Tinder before? How many people would want to use Tinder in the future? Oh, t- two, maybe a three. No, not very
1: many,
2: <laughs> Well, for those that don't know, like, Tinder recently updated its gender options. So as opposed to uh, just having to choose male or female as you're signifying gender, they've now given a whole different kind of list of options. So you could choose um transgender, trans female, trans man, Gender queer, and um, you could choose non binary, which indicates that you don't believe in either male or female. And so, what, and I think a lot of this has come from conversations with a community of people which were saying, hey, we're using Tinder, but we're not feeling like we're being represented. And that's something that I could relate to like uh, a few years ago when I was using Tinder, and I was having to explicitly say in my profile, I'm a trans woman.